Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. How are you doing today? I pray that you are well because God is on his throne. Whatever happens, we could be thrown for a loop, but God is not. He's perfect in all his ways. Um, We just need to trust that and believe that. And someone once said to me, Mother, how could you have such a deep faith? And my answer is, he's either God or he's not. If he's God, he's all that he has told us he is. Um, if he's not God, then, then nothing matters. If he is God, he is to be trusted. Nothing happens apart from his sovereign hand. Nothing. I'm absolutely convinced of that, dear ones. So we need to live our faith today as if it's true, because it is true more than ever before. If we let the uh, what's going on in the world, or most especially in the church, discourage us, we are falling into Satan's ploy. We must not. We must be firm in our faith. Stand firm in our faith. The faith once delivered to the saints. Catholic Church is not a denomination. It is the church our Lord established. Um, So I am going to continue, which means we are going to continue um, in uh, in, um, this is the book, This is the Faith by Canon Ripley. And we're talking about, um, let's see now, we are talking about um, the commandments. And we're on the first commandment, and I'm scrolling down to where we left off. Um, Okay. Um, I see it here. Let me get back there. Okay, got it. Um, Excuse me. We're looking at... All right. The Ten Commandments, in brief... Okay, what are sins against hope? We we just left off there yesterday. Sins against hope. And they are presumption and despair. If we despair, we, we said this yesterday, if we presume, we act as God, as if God doesn't exist. If we despair, we act as God does not exist. And so in both cases, we lose hope. When we lose hope, we have turned from God and turned from belief in him. He is hope. Without him, there's no hope. With him, there is hope. So if we leave God in despair or presumption, um, that's why it's a mortal sin. People say, come on, she's in despair. She's, She's this, that. You need to have pity on her. No, she's in mortal sin because she has turned from God. If we despair, it's not a case of feeling sorry for someone. It's a case of having them repent and trust in the God who gave himself for them. The next question here, what are the chief sins against religion? 
The chief sins against religion are the worship of false gods, of course there are none, small g, false gods or idols, and the giving to any creature whatsoever that honor which belongs to God alone. <clears throat> Does the first commandment forbid, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me? Does the first commandment for, forbid dealing with the devil and superstitious practices? And if you ask the chi- your child, he or she will say yes, but that's not the way they should respond because they won't learn their faith by throwing out a yes or no. The proper answer is the first commandment forbids all dealing with the devil and superstitious practices. When they say those things, um, they are soaking in the truth of the faith. The devil is superstitious practices such as consulting spiritualists and fortune tellers and trusting to charms, omens, dreams, and similar fooleries. Are all sins of sacrilege and simony also forbidden by the first commandment? All sins of sacrilege and simony, which is the selling of religious services, are also forbidden by the first commandment. Is it forbidden to give divine honor or worship to the angels and saints? What do you think the answer to that one is? Indeed, it is forbidden to give divine honor or worship to the angels and saints, for this belongs to God alone. And that is often <clears throat> the complaint that non-Catholic, uh, non-Catholics, especially non-Catholic uh, Christians, have against Catholics. They think we worship the saints, um, and we do not. Uh, God alone is to be worshipped. We give Honor to whom honor is due, but we do not worship saints. What kind of honor or reverence should we pay to the angels and saints? We should pay to the angels and saints an inferior honor or reverence, for this is due to them as the servants and special friends of God. What honor should we give to relics, crucifixes, and holy pictures? We should give to relics, crucifixes, and holy pictures a relative honor as they relate to Christ and his saints and are memorials of them. <clears throat> I think I told the story once of a Protestant friend of mine, also from a Jewish background, and she was horrified that I had become Catholic, horrified, because we were evangelical Protestants in mission together. And she invited me to her home for lunch one day, and entire wall, she was a grandmother, entire wall of, of pictures and um, kind of paraphernalia from her children, that little box of her son's curls when he was a baby, all she'd pick up a picture and kiss it. And I'd say, that's, that's very Catholic, because they are memorials, they're, they're relics in a sense, they are part of the person that you loved. And you kiss them. You're not worshiping them, but you love them. And you kiss them. What you're kissing is not them. It's a representation of them. And you're kissing it because you love them. Do we pray to relics or images? We do not pray to relics or images, for they can neither see nor hear nor help us. But we do pray to those saints or holy people 
whom they represent for their intercession with God for us. It is called, dear ones, the communion of saints. In fact, one of the uh, songs, one of the hymns that led me, uh, helped steer me to the Catholic Church was that hymn uh, that is titled um, The Church is One Foundation. The Church is One Foundation. Um, or rather, the church is one foundation. The church apostrophe S, ownership. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ, her Lord, and our Lord. Um, hold on a minute now. Oh, and the song, uh, I think it's the third stanza that says, But we on earth have union. With God, the three in one. This is a Protestant song. But we on earth have a union with God, the three in one, and mystic, sweet communion with those whose rest is one. That's what we have with the saints who have gone on to heaven. Mystic, sweet communion. They're outside of time and space. But we are connected with them more when they're in heaven than we are on earth. Our Lord says in the Gospel of John, If you love me, keep my commandments. Just as the creed is a compendium of faith, so the Ten Commandments of God are a compendium of morals. They are an explicit statement of the natural laws of truth, of order, and of justice. Because God made them for all men and for all time, they must be holy just, true, and unchangeable. They are a light on the pilgrimage of men through the dark valley of this life of trial. And if they are observed, they will bring happiness even on this side of the grave. It is not sufficient to believe God's revelation. We must also do what he tells us. That's what our Blessed Mother said. Do whatever he tells you. If men would only do this, most of the troubles with which they find themselves afflicted would be at an end. I said yesterday and maybe the day before that the Ten Commandments are a summary of at least 14 commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And they are the law of God written on initially tablets of stone. There's nothing new in them. The entire law is written on our hearts. It is all written on our hearts. We have a conscience, so those without the law can live the works of the law because they have a conscience. Thou shalt not kill. They've never read it, but they know it. God has given us a thousand ways to live his law and to get to heaven and to be saints, beloved. But knowing them will never get us to heaven. Only living them at any cost will get us to heaven. There's the music for our break, beloved. We're going to take your calls, your emails, your texts at the second break. Um, and uh, feel free to call in even now. Uh, toll free one 877 511 5483. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes! This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Nava, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. You can also catch a bonus encore Saturdays at noon Eastern. God bless you. Keep the faith. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm truly thrilled to be with you live. And um, we are um, uh, in the chapter 8 on the commandments. Uh-oh, what did I just do? Hold on. Hold on. There they go. Um, and um, of Keep the Faith by Canon Ripley. And we're going to continue. And then uh, again, uh, at the second break, we'll have an entire half hour all to ourselves for your calls, your texts, your emails. And I'd be thrilled to hear from you. Again, the toll-free number. You can call in now. Um, and we take the calls in the order they come in. But our lines are wide open with anything on your heart. Toll-free 877 511 Five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. The Ten Commandments, here they are in their briefest, excuse me, I think I have the hiccups again. Here they are in their briefest form, because Exodus chapter 20 embellishes this, so there's more wording, but in their briefest form, number one, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. And I mentioned previously that in the Jewish ten, um, 
in the Jewish arrangement of the ten, um, it doesn't say thou shalt have not have strange gods before me. That's the second commandment. The first is not a commandment. It's, this, it's a statement. I am the Lord thy God. That's it. And as you know, God brought the Hebrew children out of the uh, pagan world and set, set Abram, Hyanana's father, uh, apart, and he became the father of many nations. And God said, Exodus 12, oh, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 12, that he would set Abraham apart, and through the seed of Abram, all the nations, that's all the peoples of the world, would be blessed. Because the seed of Abraham, singular, is Christ, as Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians. <clears throat> and so, the the one true God was not known back in Abram's time, and that was 4,000 years before Christ. And so, um, uh, God, in the midst of a pagan world, through Abram, built a nation, a family of families, uh, Abram's son, Isaac, through his son, Jacob, through his son, um, Judah, and through his son, David, all of that, right up to Christ, who is the true son of David, to which the entire Old Testament and every single sacrifice pointed. And so he had to set his people apart. And Moses and the children of Israel, when they escaped is. Uh, um, Goshen, uh, under Pharaoh, they crossed the sea, the Red Sea, and they were at the foot of Mount Sinai for one month. And that's when God appeared to them on the mountain in thunder. Nobody could hear his voice. Moses went up on the mountain, and he received the commandments. And God wrote with his finger on tablets of stone. <clears throat> And when Moses came down from the mountain, as you know, Exodus 33, chapter 32, I think, um, uh, the people, he was gone too long. Aaron, his brother, was in charge. And they threw all their uh, gold in the fire, and they made a, a calf from the gold. And they uh, fashioned their calf out of that gold, and Moses came down and saw the people of Israel, the children who were to now be set apart as God's children, worshiping that calf. Worshiping the calf as their God. Moses was so infuriated that he had the two tablets of stone and he smashed them on the ground. They broke. He had to go up and get a second set. And he screamed and God wanted to destroy the people. And Moses begged God not to, not because they didn't deserve to be destroyed, but he begged them not to because his name would not be glorified. It would be said of him among the nations that he couldn't even keep his own people, whatever all that was. And so Moses um, begged God to go with them, and he did. We have done that today. We have exchanged the glory of the true God for false gods. We have done that. Money and sex and possessions and drugs and uh, false belief, we have done that today. And I'm just going to speak to Catholics. Just Catholics. 
we would not have had the evil in the Oval Office, the evil that we have in the presidency today and before our current president and before him and before him. We would not have had such evil if Catholics lived their faith. I'm blaming us. Say, well, Mother, what about all the other? What about this? What about that? I, I, I don't know about them. Any more than um, when the psalmist, God instructed the psalmist, do this, do that, and, or, or even, uh, let's say, um, Peter. Uh, Jesus said, you follow me, and he turned about, and he said, well, what about him? What about John? And Jesus said, what is it to you if he waits till I come a second time? You follow me. <clears throat> Forget what the world does. And I have to, unfortunately, say, forget what the Catholic world does that is not Catholic. No doctrine can be changed, no matter what the Pope says, no matter what a bishop says, no matter what a synod says, a counselor, or your bishop or priest. If it is not in keeping with the faith once delivered to the saints, it is the worship of false gods. Bishop Athanasius Snyder said when the whole Pachamama scheme uh, situation happened with the Amazon a few years ago, Bishop Athanasius Snyder that said that is the worst uh, situation in form of idolatry since the golden calf. And it's still going on today. Look at what the Pope is doing today. Participating in all these pagan rituals. It's not Catholic. It's not charity. Charity is to spread truth, not to uh, affirm false religion, false idolatry, idolatry in any form. Dear sisters and brothers, I don't know how much time we have. I do not know how much time we have on earth or as a church or for the mass to be allowed to be public or whatever. I don't know. We could be shut down overnight. We could be here another 2,000 years. I don't know. But God is interested. He doesn't compare us to anyone else. Well, look at them. They call themselves Catholic and they, you know, they might make it to church on Sunday. That's about it. And they live as pagans during the week. Does that mean God will excuse you for living less than your calling? It does not. God does not compare us to other people, to other Catholics, to other saints. We are responsible for the gifts God has given us. We are stewards of the grace of God in comparison to no one else, beloved. And if you are a parent, I know I'm harping on families, if you are a father, you are the head of your family, and you need to lay down your life for your wife. Not argue with her. There's no woman who does not respond to a wonderful, holy love. No woman who will not respond to love and heroic living. If your children, if you have young ladies, girls as your children, and you let them out in public with low-cut dresses, 
and high-cut skirts and tight clothing, immodest, you are at fault. Not the culture, not your being afraid that they won't be popular. You, Papa, are the head of the family, and you must determine that. And you must sit with them every night and teach them the faith. It's not your wife's job. It's your job. You are the priest of the family. God has made you that. You need to gather them every single night together with your wife and children every single night and pray the rosary every single night. You need to be the priest of your home. You need to love your wife and lay down your life for her and not leave the education and the worship and all of that of your children to your wife. If you don't set the example, it will not happen. Yes, you could go out to work and your wife could homeschool them. There's not an issue there. But you need to be the head of the family. You need to come home and come together in the living room and ask them what they learned in homeschool that day, what they discovered about God's world. If you don't, Papa, even if you don't die in mortal sin, you will spend years and eternity in purgatory for abandoning your vocation. You say, Mother Miriam, you're going too far. How do you know what anyone's going to spend in purgatory? I know. God has told us. Our Lady has told us. Do whatever he tells you. Husbands are to be the head of the family, Ephesians chapter 5. They are to lay down their lives for their family, for their wives and the children. Children will only learn not what you tell them. They will learn what they see. If they see love, they will learn love. And love is sacrifice. Love isn't bringing home flowers for your wife on her birthday or your anniversary. That's a good thing to do. But love is putting everyone before you. Love is speaking the truth even when it hurts. You say to your little daughter as she's going out with her friends and she still lives at home and she's 16, you say to her, I want you home no later than 8 o'clock at night. And she says, come on, Mom, Dad, the kids are out till 12, 1 in the morning. They're going to think I'm a weirdo. Well, let them. You'll be a holy weirdo. Why 8 o'clock? Because we have a family rosary and prayer before we go to bed every night. And you're not excused from that when you turn 16 or 18. We get together as a family. Our vocation as a family is more important than anything you will ever do with your friends. Parents, don't stop parenting. Don't be afraid of your children. It is not your place as a mother and father to be popular with your children. It is your place to get them to heaven. And do it through kindness, through love, and through uncompromising firmness in the commandments of God. There's the music, dear ones, for our second break. And we will come back and be here for whatever's on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at 
thestationofthecross.com. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. And by far the most transforming aspect of this experience was simply coming into the direct knowledge that God himself not only knew me by name, but had been paying attention to me as though I were the only creature he had ever created. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so happy to be with you, and I love this half hour that is all ours for your calls, your emails, your texts, um, and the uh, toll-free number to call in with anything on your heart. I say often that the matter of the heart, the heart of the matter, is the matter of your heart. So with anything at all on your heart, call in toll-free, one 877 Five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com and you may text at that toll free number as well. I want to mention I've been mentioning this uh, almost once every program because the time is drawing near for the LifeSite News 25th Anniversary Gala that's going to be held August 17th in Naples, Florida. It's going to be a very, very wonderful event. LifeSite News will be there. The Station of the Cross will be there. I will be there. Uh, Father James Altman, John Henry Weston. The keynote speaker is Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in the Passion. He's fantastic. 
and they'll have the evening, so there'll be cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and dinner and a speaker panel, and um, it's just going to be wonderful. So every day when I uh, make this announcement during the program, there are fewer and fewer tickets. I'm still assuming there are tickets left. Uh, it is limited only because it's limited to their seats. It's a dinner. Um, but I know they're planning for for a lot of people, so I don't know how many tickets are left, but you can get them um, at gala25.lifesitenews.com. That's gala, G-A-L-A, 25, dot, lifesitenews, one word, dot com. And um, if you come, dear ones, please say hello. Um, so we could meet. I, I would absolutely love that. I'm coming for no other reason than to be there. I, 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 I absolutely love and trust LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross, and the fact that they've partnered together for this program is just a bit of heaven on earth. So um, uh, I would look forward to meeting you, no matter where you're from. Uh, definitely say hello. Um, okay, my dear brother James, um, are you there to, for us to go to our emails and calls? I am here, Mother, and we've got quite a few great emails to get to today. So what do you okay. say, shall we? Let's do it. All right, so we'll start with an email from Mary. And Mary says, Dear Mother, I'm writing to you because I am unsure on what I should do regarding reception of Holy Communion at a Novus Ordo parish, which hands out communion to people in the hand. While I go to Latin Mass on the weekends... I'm unable to do so during the week, and I am obligated to go to the Novus Ordo with my family on weekdays. I long to receive our Lord in Holy Communion, but I feel as if I should not walk up for communion because of the sacrilege it would be to walk on any particles of our Lord which cover the ground from others receiving in the hand. What should I do in this situation? Thank you, Mother, and God bless you. Mary. Oh, dear Mary, um, it's a puzzle why you are obligated to go to weekday Mass. I don't understand the obligation there. Um, in any case, dear one, um, I would not, personally, uh, the Church allows reception in the hand. The norm is the tongue, so shame on any priest, any bishop, who will not... Uh, distribute communion on the tongue because that is the norm. The hand is an exception. Um, So to begin with, I would speak to the priest privately and say, Dear Father, um, you probably know that the norm is on the tongue. I don't know why you won't serve communion on the tongue. It's been proved more uh, sanitary for you to put the host on someone's tongue, you don't have to touch their tongue, then for them to receive the host in their hand. Um, And it's a given that there are going to be particles on the floor that we walk on. Um, So I would say to him with a humble spirit, Father, is it all possible for me to be last on line, on the communion line, and that you would serve me communion on the tongue? Would that be possible? Well, of course it's possible. If he refuses, um, he's wrong, but uh, but so be it. I personally would not receive communion in the hand. I would not. I'm not telling you it's wrong. I will tell you it's sacrilege. I will tell you that. The church allows it. It's sacrilege. Um, our Lord is not fast food. And the only one that should tuss, touch that host 
It's a host because it is our Lord, and the only one who should touch it are the consecrated hands of a priest, not a deacon, not a Eucharistic minister, no one. I know the church does it, and it's shameful, and it's sacrilege, but the only one that should touch that host are the uh, sacred, um, consecrated hands of a priest. Uh, not our hands, so I would absolutely not receive in the hand. Uh, why you're obligated to go daily is, again, you haven't said why. Um, it were I obligated to go daily, I simply wouldn't go up for communion. Not simply because I'll be stepping on particles from others, but because I will not put our Lord in my hand. So, Mary, that's your choice. But... Um, there's no right or wrong here. You won't be wrong, according to the church, to receive our Lord in your hand. I do believe it's a sacrilege, and I personally wouldn't do it, but it's your choice. Okay, dear one. James, do we have another email? Yes, so next we'll go to an email from Giovanni, and it's a lengthy one, so Mother, please feel free to interrupt me anytime you would like. Uh, so this starts with, good morning, Mother. God bless you, and thank you for this program. Thank you. I'm a convert from the Protestant <clears throat> tradition awaiting RCIA in September and have been going to a Catholic church since January. As a former Protestant, I am used to members actively seeking out newcomers in order to evangelize, and it's relatively easy to join church groups and be involved. However, since coming to the Catholic church, people only seem to head straight for their cars or talk amongst themselves to people they already know after mass and ignore you altogether if they don't know you. I don't mean to imply this is true for all Catholic churches, but this has been my experience. My former friends and even my entire family are anti-Christian and are very hostile to the faith, so it is difficult to be around them. Anytime I bring up God or the Bible, they become immediately uncomfortable and treat me as some Bible-thumping Christian attempting to convert them. Recently, I reached out to the church office because I've been feeling isolated, and they pointed me to a men's club meeting that met once a month and was just so happening to be taking place this past Tuesday. I was extremely excited, to say the least. I attended the meeting this past Tuesday and was disheartened to see the level of profanity and drunkenness involved. There was a hard liquor present, and the vice president seemed to already be under the influence when he started the meeting. Wow. While I was being dropped off by one of the gentlemen after the meeting, I found myself pushing back against the things he was telling me and tried my best not to get into a dispute. But he was mentioning things that seemed to me extremely unbiblical that I felt should not go entirely unchecked. He seemed happy to be rid of me by the time he dropped me off. Perhaps I'm overly judgmental, but it doesn't feel like a holy group. Hold on, I'm just going to interrupt right there. You're not overly judgmental, and it is not a holy group. Continue. And he says, I'm afraid to say anything because I am not even yet an official member of the church and feel like it is not my place. I do not wish to go without a group again because it has been extremely lonely, but it breaks my heart to see men who consider themselves Christian behave in such a manner. What can one do in this situation when they do not wish to feel alone in the church? And am I being overly scrupulous? Thank you, Mother, and God bless you, Giovanni. Giovanni, you're not being scrupulous at all, um, but in your heart you're still Protestant, which is very understandable. Um, Protestantism is man-centered. Catholicism is God-centered. We do not go to church for social 
reasons. We do not go to church to evangelize. We do not go to church to have fellowship. We go to church to worship the one true God, the triune God of Abraham, who gives himself to us as our food. That's why, Giovanni, we go to church. Fellowship, uh, groups, uh, that needs to happen apart from the Mass, not as part of the Mass. Many people, um, it's something for you to get used to, but the focus is God, not fellowship. Um, uh, Many churches, you may have found out, have what they call greeters at the door, greeting everyone, handing out a bulletin, shaking their hands, something like that. It's absolutely awful. It's completely Protestant. There's nothing Catholic in that. If word got out that our Lord Jesus Christ appeared on earth, he was appearing in a particular Catholic church, just as he did 2,000 years ago when he walked among men on earth. And you would say, oh my goodness, I'm going to be able to see our Lord as he walked among men on earth 2,000 years ago with his disciples. He's there in this church. Oh my goodness, well, you'd be on line to get in, and the line would be a mile long. Now, when you got to the door of that church, knowing that our Lord was inside, body, blood, soul, and divinity, an apparition, do you think you'd be interested in shaking someone's hand or being greeted? I don't think so. You'd enter that church and fall on your face. And that is what is true of every Catholic church. Our Lord is there, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the form of food in the Holy Eucharist. He is there. And for us to be greeting or shaking hands or doing anything else is a total man-centered situation. Totally man-centered. When God appeared to the Israelites on Mount Sinai, uh, just prior prior to giving the Ten Commandments, the people, just to stand before him, before the mountain, before Sinai, they couldn't touch the mountain. They couldn't come near the mountain. And they had to refrain from uh, marital embrace. They needed to bathe. They needed to fast. They needed to get themselves ready to stand before the God of the whole earth before that mountain. They wouldn't see him. They couldn't talk with him. And all he did was thunder and they trembled. It's the same God in the Eucharist. It's the same God. This has got nothing to do with fellowship. Can you imagine uh, Moses uh, leading those people before Mount Sinai and telling everybody to greet their neighbor or offer them fellowship or uh, give them the sign of peace or something? What peace? They're before a holy God. No. It is utterly man-centered. So, Giovanni, take time to get to know the Catholic Church and the truth about who God is. And you will not talk to people at church. You will not speak to them. You won't turn around and talk to anybody after Mass inside the church. You will be totally silent 
And if you had a holy priest, he would tell the church to be silent and not speak inside the church and let the people pray who stay to pray. Go outside the church. Don't talk in what's so-called gathering spaces. That is, it's social. It's got nothing to do with God. Leave the church and talk to whomever you wish outside in the street. So that's my response, Giovanni. It may seem a little harsh to you. And I understand you're feeling lonely, um, but uh, let give uh, God time to change your heart to know what it is to truly worship Him um, and love Him and desire Him above all things and know that when you go to Mass, you're not going to be with people, you're going to worship the one true God of the entire universe. And f- as far as that men's group go, it's an abomination. Uh, I don't even have any idea if they're truly Catholic or know the faith. Shame on them. Stay away from them, Giovanni. God bless you, dear one. We'll be right back after the break. listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the iCatholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the station of the cross.com for more information This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine? G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say, we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on The Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved 
to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We've got uh, 10 minutes, and um, you're welcome to call in with anything at all on your hard toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. You can text at that number or um, email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. James, dear one, where are we at? Let's go to our first caller of the day. So this is Debbie from Pennsylvania. Debbie, thanks so much for holding on the line, and welcome to the show. Hi, Debbie. Good morning. Hi, Hi, sweetheart. I want to just give a big hug because I didn't know you were on. I just ran to get my phone for my friend Debbie. Uh, I'm Debbie as well, but um, Mm -hmm. we were just talking about what you got done explaining as I'm standing here with the phone about explaining why... The Catholic Church is the only true church. I'm Catholic. She's Protestant. What do you call yourself? Presbyterian. Okay. Same thing. It's not mom. <laughs> Good, Debbie. <laughs> What's your friend's name? Is she there with you? Yes, her name is Debbie as well. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Hi, Debbie, Debbie. Hi, Debbie Hello. and Debbie. Hello, sweetheart. How long have you been Presbyterian? Your whole life? Oh, okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay. So, um, what's uh, which Debbie has a question? This Debbie you're talking to. I I don't, but the other the other Debbie that's Catholic. Okay. Think that Presbyterians don't worship God, and we do. That's of course you do. Of course you worship God. My my goodness. Okay, the other Debbie. Yes, uh, your friend Debbie worships God. Presbyterians worship God. I spent 18 years as an evangelical Protestant in the denomination of non-denominationalism. I was 18 years as a Christian um, evangelical uh, trying to save Catholics, actually. And nobody's going to tell me I didn't worship God during those 18 years. God completely changed my life. I was in my 30s when um, I gave my life to Jesus, and there's no way you could tell me I didn't worship him. So, yes, Presbyterians worship God. Now, there could be Presbyterians who don't worship God, just like there are Catholics who don't worship God. That's an individual uh, spiritual situation, but yes, yes, yes. And and the um, the the sorrow is um, that those who worship God um, and truly love Him, uh, as I think your friend Debbie does. Um, we wish uh, that they could know the full measure of what God has left us on earth in the church he established. Presbyterianism, I forget the date it started, but it was one of the fruits of the Reformation in the 16th century. There was one church until then. And so since the Reformation, um, which you may know, Debbie, I don't know, um, the church uh, Protestantism has split over 50,000 times um, with umpteen denominations. And the Presbyterian uh, denomination, Debbie, you might know, um, has sometimes affectionately been called the split peas <laughs> because they have also split into different Presbyterian groups. Um, what I would suggest, if you can... Um, Debbie, who called in, Debbie, uh, see if you could get your friend Debbie 
uh, Scott Hahn's book it called Rome Sweet Home. Rome Sweet Home. Scott Hahn was a Presbyterian minister and professor at the, at the seminary. Presbyterian, and he and his wife all the way. And he became Catholic. It almost cost him his marriage, but eventually his wife also converted. They're very, very strong in their faith. So try to get Rome Sweet Home. You can go to other books from there, but it's their personal journey. And it's an apologetic, Debbie. It, it's, um, it's fantastic. So the author is Scott Hahn, H-A-H-N, and Scott Hahn, Rome Sweet Home. You can find it in any Catholic bookstore. You could find it on the web, anywhere at all. And and I would suggest, since you're friends, that you get two copies and, and read it together. Just read it together if you want. Have some coffee and read it. Um, and that'll that'll help answer the differences between what is Presbyterian and what is Catholic. Would that would that be possible? Do you think for the two of you? Yeah, she can do. She doesn't need to go to church. So she doesn't practice a faith. She just said, "I was born that, and I'm going to stay that." Well, I said, but you won't even, you know. I, you I said, "Why would I, meaning me, go to any other church that God is there? How awesome is that? That I can receive Him in me." And I just keep thinking what Jesus said: "If you." Don't eat of my body and drink my blood. You have no life in it. That's right, John chapter 6. Right, Debbie. But don't forget, sweetheart, that faith is a gift. It's not an intellectual pursuit, although God said, come let us reason together, and we can pursue it intellectually with no, no question, which is why I suggest you get the book, Rome Sweet Home. But um, Debbie has been, Debbie, sweetheart, you've been baptized, right? Oh, yes, I have. That's right. So she's Christian, and um, if she doesn't uh, have a, a regular practice of her faith, uh, that's her state, and God will help anyone in any situation who, even if, she, if someone hasn't been to church for 30 years, if someone reaches out to God and sincerely says, Lord, would you show me the truth, even if it means the Catholic Church is true? And if it's not true, don't show me that. So God will never refuse uh, a sincere question. And so, uh, Debbie, don't be afraid. You're Presbyterian. You're baptized. You don't need to make any other decision except the decision to see if your friend has something going there, that the Catholic Church is not only true, but the Church Christ established with the full means of grace. So I hope you will read. Get two copies of Rome Sweet Home by Scott and Kimberly, his wife, Hahn, Scott and Kimberly Hahn. Read that together, and and don't rush through it. Just take time, discuss it. And um, would you both call me back when you're finished with the book and let me know how you're doing? I absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I just loved, I just didn't know what your program was about, but as I was standing here holding the phone waiting, I was so happy to hear what you were discussing. Good. Uh, prior to me getting through that you were absolutely talking about the Catholic Church, and it's not a fellowship. It's not like, hey, Bob, how you doing? Okay. But be kind to your friend. 
be Very kind. kind. Absolutely. Always I know you love there. each other. I know you love each other, but don't forget that faith is a gift, Debbie. And if you believe Absolutely. it thoroughly, which you do, you're a soldier, uh, never forget that God has graced you with the gift of faith. And your friend also has a gift of faith, even though she's not practicing. She believes in Christ. She believes in God. And... Um, uh, let God use you as an instrument uh, in her life. In fact, let her let God use her as an instrument in your life too, to to know and ex- help explain and help one another toward heaven. Amen. Thank you, Mother. God You're welcome, you. sweetheart. I'm so glad you called in. Goodbye, both Debbies. Bye. God bless Bye. you. God, God bless you. And there's the end of our program, dear ones. We'll be with. Uh, God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. Live the faith as if it's true without any compromise and with every fiber of your being. God bless you.